0: In 1,000 feet, turn right on the North Dakota 1804 North.
1: Continue on North Dakota 6 South for 25 miles.
2: Hi. It's going, how are you? Yeah,
3: good. Um, What's your name?
2: My name's Adriana.
3: Adriana? Yeah.
2: You guys are doing a COVID checkpoint?
3: Yeah.
2: Specifically for the reservation?
3: Yep. You've never been exposed to COVID? No. <laughs> okay. Where are you coming from?
2: Um, I'm coming from Bismarck. Oh, okay. Where yeah. Are you going? I'm going to the Simply Smiles Children's Village. That it's at the Cheyenne River Reservation? Uh, for like employment. Or... They're doing a training today for foster parents for the village. For 33 miles, I just passed the checkpoint. They let me in. Now I have about 30 more minutes driving down this dirt road. Also, Zach, the manager of Simply Smiles, messaged me and said that they are breaking ground today on the second home for the children's village. Your
1: destination will
2: be on the right. Zach, nice to meet you. Under such interesting conditions,
1: huh? Yeah, yeah, it was like everything was happening at once. My name is Zachary Gross. I am the Senior Program Manager for Simply Smiles. I have been involved with the organization for the last 12 years. We were very conscious of the tragic history of non-native people going into communities and working with children, forcibly removing children from their families to go to boarding school. We wanted to respect that history of people really holding on to who they are despite enormous odds. We never want to come into a community after being invited with a laundry list of of solutions, quote unquote. And it's been interesting to get this up and running uh, during a pandemic.
4: Even when a crisis like coronavirus happens, this work has to continue. Because if anything, kids are more at risk now. There are pressures at home that are causing an increase in child neglect and child abuse. So despite everything that's happening and because of everything that's happening, this project has to continue. When the village is fully formed, it will be six homes in a circle, up to six children in each home. So we'll have a 36 bed capacity. The beauty of the model is that when we're fully formed, um, the parent living in house number one might be doing a grocery run for the rest of the houses while the parent in house number two takes the kids to, you know, basketball or whatever the case may be. It's it's truly a village of parents supporting one another. Um, so I think that's a really nice piece, especially for parents who want to do this but are doing it alone.
1: We also have our grandmothers group. Um the Shine River Standing Strong Grandmothers Group, so that there's a lot of community involvement as well.
2: Hi. Okay. I'm gonna do my best to remember everybody's name. So no This is Marilyn. Hi Marilyn, nice to meet you. Uh, hey, Adriana okay. and Marcella. And Marcella, right. Okay, thank you.
4: So um Marilyn is doing our teaching this morning on um, traditional parenting. I wondered if you would mind just, because Zach and I got to talk to you about your projects, I'm just so excited about it, but no one else has heard from you, so we would love just a kind of a recap of what it is that you're doing, because it's so cool.
2: Sure, sure, yeah, so my name is Adriana. Um, My grandmother was actually born on Standing Rock Reservation, but moved to California with the MOVE Act, and so I was born there, and, The reason that like child welfare is such a really important topic for me is because I went through foster care for seven years of my life until I aged out. So topics of child welfare and specifically on reservations have always been really important to me. And so when the pandemic started, one of the first communities that I thought of were Native children in foster care, like they're such a vulnerable community. So I'm really excited to be here and to have the honor to be working and like sharing this story.
3: I'm ready. Okay. Okay. Traditional parenting uh, presented by me, Maryland Circle Circoligo. Okay. I'm going to start with the family relationships. The Tiwahe or the family, was a very strong unit. They were committed to the children, and they made sure that their children were nurtured. The rest of the family members and the Tewahe helped in raising the children. Example of a father from 1800s called his son Michante, or My Heart. The father did not call his son by his name which showed how much love and respect he had for his son. And that's the story from um, Crazy Horse.
0: I have a question about, um, I'm just thinking about the kids that come, because we're going to be having, you know, accepting kids as soon as Friday.
3: Oh, wow.
0: Yeah. What would be the best way, in terms of Lakota household, Lakota parenting, when they come in the door, can you give us some more advice? Because we're thinking that they're going to be scared, they're going to be lonesome, you know, they're going to be trauma. They could be traumatized, you know, whatever. What do you think?
3: I think they should they should be smudged right away. Because all that all that stuff that they're carrying, they're going to bring it in here. But uh, if you smudge them, that will calm them, calm them down. The other thing I use is cedar. Cedar brings the mind, you know, focus. The mind focuses better with cedar.
0: I grew up with the American Indian Movement and my mother had a AIM house in Rapid City. And so a lot of people went there for help. In Indian country, a lot of programs come and go, you know, and, and if the funding ends, it's, it ends, you know, that kind of thing. So if you're here long enough, you start getting used to that. We're living in um, cowboys and Indians mentality. And so the state of South Dakota perpetuates that ideology still. And so all the systems are set up, um, you know, to be racist. And our people are profiled. Foster care system in the state of South Dakota is not set up for the children. It's set up for the state to make money off the children. And Native people are easy targets because we live in poverty and we have a lot of issues related to poverty and they totally disregard icwa the indian child welfare act simply smiles are like we're going to do this and and it's actually happening you know like the the second house is being built one of the things that i was doing with simply smiles is i was not only managing the garden but like i was you know teaching we would go out and look for wild foods and then I'd tell the kids, this is what they're good for. This is how you can use them. And you know, like we we ate um, dandelion fritters and you know, I told them the, "You know, the whole plant is medicinal. This is what you use it for, all that kind of stuff. I have a master's in nutrition. My thing was we have to reintroduce and we have to give the value back to our own foods. To me, it's a, it's a huge, um, indication of, of how the process of genocide and oppression worked. Because, you know, you look at our history of our diet, forced diet changes, and the first thing they did was kill off the buffalo and remove us from our, our own diet immediately. How do we help these children in a way that is a little more holistic, you know, because they're getting the counseling, they're getting the safety, you know, they're getting fed. But if we can help them just by giving them clean foods, you know, maybe that'll help them reach some healing in some way. We have to take care of ourselves because nobody else is doing it.